If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome back. Today, we are going to be discussing coaching women advisors. And while there are some women out there that would argue that they don't want to be coached any differently than a man, which is totally cool, um, I would say we should be coaching to the individual anyway, right? Regardless of gender, ethnicity, sexuality, et cetera. But we would be remiss if we ignored the fact that we women do tick differently, right? Let's be honest. When they write best-selling books like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> we know something's up, right? Don't worry, we're not going to be talking about sex today. But we are going to be talking with two amazing women, both advisors with Northwestern Mutual, about their experiences being a woman in this industry and their coaching experiences. So let's dive in. Uh, I want to introduce our first guest, Hannah Kirby. Hannah was born and raised in Nebraska. And she actually started uh, as a college intern and stayed as an intern for two years uh, where she qualified for, get this, winter camp, summer camp, and the top female intern in the company. I think that's so awesome. Uh, she converted to full-time last year. Uh, she hit pace at her first 40. She was a 75 lives writer in her first year, and she is already a college unit director only 18 months in. I had the privilege of coaching Hannah her first six months, and I would say I most admire her authenticity, her desire to make an impact, definitely her drive and her discipline, and overall, just really a freaking awesome person. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you for the kind words. You're Thank very you. welcome, welcome, Hannah. <laughs> Sabino, uh, do us the honor of introducing our second guest, Kristen. I certainly will. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Kristen Herman. Kristen started with Northwestern Mutual in 2010 in St. Louis, and she currently works in the Sarnicky Network Office in Kansas City. Professionally, she has earned her CLU, CHFC, and CFP, and consistently produces 100 plus lives, and she's been able to grow her practice in two different cities. Kristen also has the unusual distinction of being in the less than 1% of advisors who didn't hit Paysetter 40, but did hit Paysetter 60. She finished her first year with 127 lives and 95 new clients, so she had an amazing second six months. I was fortunate to be able to coach with Kristen early in her career, and I can attest to her belief in high activity and her sincere heart to serve her clients. Personally, she's married to Yo, and they have three wonderful children now, Brielle, who's five, Levi, who I believe is three, is that right? Um, right? And Brinley, who was just born this year in March. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I am so stinking excited to talk to you two ladies. Um, we have two powerhouses in the house. I and am too. I know. And what I love about it is we have somebody that's right at the beginning of their career, right? Just a, over a, a year in or 18 months in. And then we've got somebody who has a wealth of yep. knowledge and experience under their belt as well. So two really good perspectives. So let's dive in. I want to start by hearing from both of you. And Hannah, we'll start with you. What do you love about being a woman in this business? I got to say, I really love that you can take this business and create it to work for yourself. Basically, you're taking the same model and I don't have to try to be some perfect buttoned up square, the best advisor in the entire world. I can actually just be myself and actually be effective in this business. And I think that's actually what my clients love the most about me my, too, is I can just be myself and actually create relationships with them. And I actually love that as an aspect of this business, because you truly can just be yourself. You don't have to try to fit this perfect square of an advisor. 
I love that. Authenticity is huge when it comes to sales, right? So the fact that you can be authentic in what you do every day is awesome. Kristen, how about you? Absolutely. I would echo what Hannah said. Authenticity, and I also say alignment with who I am as an advocate, as a counselor, as a catalyst. You know, as women, we are natural nurturers and we take on a lot of responsibility in life. And I have seen through the progression of starting as an intern into, you know, surviving stage and now with children and, you know, now it's really the focus is on to significance. Um, but I'm a better mom because I get to do this incredible work and I'm also better at my work now that I'm a mom. And so it's, but it's great to be able to serve on my own terms. I get to do this. I don't have to. Um, and so that's so empowering. Love that. Let's talk a little yep. bit about some of the things that make this really a great career for women. And before we hear both of your perspectives, I think it's important to share a couple statistics. So first of all, we know that 50% of the population's growth right now in the U.S. is owned by women. And 60% of those women prefer working with a woman advisor. So if that's not a perk right there and a reason for why we need more women, I don't know what is. And then also, Women are really naturally wired, I believe, um, and I have experienced in the coaching that I've done, they're wired with more empathy, right? And they have such great listening skills and they put people at ease, right? We talked about that authenticity factor. People want to work with authentic people. So what a great fit when it comes to the fact-finding portion of this career. I think the skills are just in such great alignment. The other big one is the wage gap. Hello, there is none. <laughs> Not too many opportunities, right? Where there absolutely is no wage gap. Um, and then last but not least, I think one of the things, you know, that makes this a great career for women is women tend to be more nurturing than men and they like to teach and educate. And so many components of this career are helping to educate people. So those are just, you know, a few of the things that, that come to my mind. Who wants to go first on this one? Because I know you have very different perspectives based on your, your life experiences and where you're at. Yeah, Heather, I really just want to echo everything that you just said. I mean, I think that stat that more than 50% of household finances are run by women, or I think that's what you mentioned, is just crazy. And I think that's absolutely a great area of opportunity that we can continue working in. But I think women in general, we really do have most of the time a few set of skills that are actually unique to women that we can use to our advantage. It's exactly like you said, we listen, we care deeply, we can create deeper connections and we can create those deeper connections quickly, especially talking about the fact-finding process. I think women do have a knack for being able to go quickly with somebody and have it be completely normal, really, really right off the bat. And so I think those are some skills that can be used to our advantage, especially in this career. I think Kristen, what are your my, thoughts on that? For me, especially, I think probably women are naturally designed this way to like be able to read how people are feeling and emotions. And what I see is that money is very much an emotional topic. It is not about numbers and sharp ratios and rate of return and all that. Like that is not what like what people really are craving is peace of mind and freedom and by just talking about you know the the portfolios and whatnot that is not going to create and give people what they really desire what is is when we talk to their hearts and to their values and to help them peel back the layers and get alignment with you know, their finances as it relates to their entire lives. So I think that gives, we have an edge as women to be able to do that. I love that. Love that. <laughs> I really do love that. Um, Sabina, mm -hmm. any other questions that you That's have powerful. as we keep going? Um, yeah, I, well, I was going to ask Kristen um, in particular to think about the scope of your career because you were single when you came in and now you're married and you have a family. Um, how has your career evolved around that as you've as you've experienced those life changes and stages? I am so thankful for the women that went ahead of me. You know, when I started full time in 2010, there were a number of women in the St. Louis agency that 
were, you know, five, 10 years ahead. They had families, they were taking off Fridays um, to be with their kids. And so that really, they were forerunners for me to see what was possible. And certainly early on, I think we all go through this of like first six months, you know, doing all this activity and not seeing the fruit. You know, I really felt like I had failed when I was at six months and had 28 lives, given how hard I was working. And what really kept me in it was to look ahead and to say, okay, sure, I could walk away from this and get this salaried position making X amount and not have to worry about, you know, where's my next paycheck going to come from? The you know, lovely and also frustrating parts about being, you know, in business for yourself. But I thought, okay, five, 10 years from now, what am I really going to want? And which track is going to help me to get there? And really just today getting to, it's just so empowering to be in control of my daily, my weekly, my monthly schedule. You know, the more we take on, the more responsibility we have, the more important it is for self-care. And I am just today, like I, I get to be, you know, the best mom that I can be. And from four o'clock on, Monday through Thursday, I'm with my kids and Friday, we have, I have personal development time in the morning, no client meetings, and then afternoons is just play time with the kids. And so it's like, you know, I remember Fred Harry in my full-time training class, June of 2010, saying this business is like getting a jumbo jet into the air, right? It takes a ton of fuel and energy and effort. And so I was thankful that when I was young and single, yeah. I had all that time to take the 7 p.m. or Saturday morning meetings or whatever. Now, no way, no how, but it's like, we just got to keep the gas on and keep it going. I love that you mentioned the self-care piece, because I do think as women, we have a tendency to take on a lot more than men. And yet at the same time, this career really should provide the flexibility if we use it wisely, right, for us to be able to take care of ourselves and, and make the time as long as obviously we're disciplined enough to do that. And I don't know that that is provided in other careers, right? That, I mean, it, it, they, not that, I mean, yes, this career can suck some things out of you for sure, right? But yet we have the ability to say, you know, hey, time out. I need to make sure I'm making myself a priority. So I thought that was great that you added that. Hannah, anything that you want to add before I jump into my next question? No, I just, I love everything that you shared. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Fun to hear your stories. What are some of the nuances, and Hannah, we'll start with you. What do you think are some of the nuances that make this business different for women compared to men, whether positive or negative? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, um, and most of the time I can only speak from personal experience, but I do believe most of the time women feel the highs and lows of the business just that much deeper. Sometimes we can take the losses personally, even if it doesn't have anything to do with us personally. You know, when somebody tells us no over the, over the phone and we think, oh, maybe I did my phoning language poorly or something like that. But I truly believe sometimes we can feel those highs and lows much deeper um, compared to some people just riding through, piling on through all of the ups and downs of the business. But I think that also even goes to show the difference in coaching. Sometimes um, I need coaching of just the support, the positivity, the it's going to be okay versus sometimes I get coached as the perspective of a football coach saying, toughen up, better do it, just get her done. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't resonate with me. And so I do believe the differences between the highs and lows of the business, the difference in coaching and the support that we get, it is a bit different based on feeling those emotions that much deeper and having the coaching that does resonate with me best. Yeah. And just being emotional, right, doesn't mean necessarily that because we had a bad day that we're quitting or because we cried that we hate what Absolutely. we do and we hate, right? I mean, those, those highs Absolutely. and lows, like you said, we just feel so much deeper. Doesn't mean, right, that uh, we're walking out the door or anything else. I think it's good for coaches to know that. I remember um, a managing partner telling me, and I'll say her name here, hopefully she's listening to, at some point, that'd be pretty cool, but Deb Levins recruited me into this business as an intern. And I remember her saying at one point, she's like, well, 
really the difference between men and women is men sweat and women cry. <laughs> That's just the only differences in terms of how we we get that stress out, right? And that just really stuck with me. It's like, oh, that's true. A guy might go punch something, right? Or, you know, or, or sweat or whatever. And for us, it might come out in the form of tears. So there are differences yes, and they do make that. a difference. Kristen, how about you? What are some of the nuances you've experienced? So funny enough, I was having a conversation with one of my coaches yesterday and she was saying that men naturally have more confidence than women. They're also not as good as I, at identifying what they're not good at. <laughs> so true. <laughs> as women, you know, if I'm not like bullseye nailing something, I don't feel the confidence, right? I just have this high level of expectation, but then self-doubt. And it's just ridiculous to think, oh my gosh, looking back over the last decade, like, no, it, it's just now I'm coming into this spacious place. I am enough. Like, and I'm not perfect and that is okay. Like we were just made to be wholehearted. And what if it's not about creating some kind of outcome, right? Or hitting this benchmark or whatever. What if it's just about like success is giving everything I have and doing my best. And that's just, it's just been so freeing for me because I feel like I, I am very competitive and want to hit this external mark um, and this, you know, the benchmarks and competing with the guys out there. But at the same time, I think it's easy to kind of self-sacrifice part of who I really am for the sake of meeting this external mold. And so I think in order for us to really unleash our power as women, you know, it takes, you know, working from the inside out and knowing just, yeah, the, my coach uses this analogy like women we're like oceans like the ocean is powerful and it also has boundaries you know you know and you've gone too far and so we need to honor ourselves and be true to you know our our own personal like boundaries are who we are they're not what we do um and so yeah i love that we do. Mm -hmm. i hope that the coaches that are listening you said something that was really powerful to me you talked about not needing to be perfect right and I, I want coaches to tell, I, I feel like you have experienced that and you've learned that because you're further along in the career. And so I, I do feel like it's easier for you to say that at this stage in the business, right? So for coaches who are coaching those new people, those new women who are beating themselves up, right? And they're comparing themselves to everybody else. Tell them it's okay not to be perfect, right? I mean, it's about progress at this stage. Nobody is perfect. And you know, one of the challenges with the Granum system is we put it on this pedestal and we should, it works, but nobody is 100% Granum 100% of the time. It's almost impossible, right? Um, and so helping them, you know, be okay with that as a coach, I think is hugely important. You know, some of the other nuances that I thought of specifically around the sales cycle, some things that might be different for men than women. And I want your feedback if you agree with this or if you have something to add to it, but I think women prospect a little bit differently than men in this business. At least that's been my experience. Um, I feel like, you know, the, I get paid in two ways, right? That language, I, you know, I get paid in two ways language or the, you know, I'm building my business and I need your help with that, et cetera, is more geared towards men. I feel like women are more comfortable taking an approach that focuses on the impact that they have um, and focuses on others versus themselves. So talking to people about the impact that they want to have and, and sharing that with people and saying, do you want to be a part of that with me? So that, that is one of the things that I think is I see often when I'm coaching women is, you know, how comfortable do you feel with your prospecting language? And is it truly you? Is it genuine to who you are? Do you feel comfortable using that language? Or do we maybe need to tweak it a little bit um, so you're, you're more comfortable with it? Um, thoughts on that? Or have you guys done anything different in that space? Well, the audience can't see this, but they were both vigorously <laughs> nodding their heads. <laughs> so I'm anxious to hear what I you have too. to say. <laughs> I am too. I truly believe, especially when it comes to prospecting, um, granted, I will say the majority of my market are females, mostly because personally, I connect with young women more than I connect with young men. It's just something that personally, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. But I think with, especially with prospecting, women are much more likely to get you connected to their friends if they trust you and if you have built up that connection. And I think especially getting a recommendation from 
a great girlfriend of yours, they take it that much more seriously. So if they get a recommendation saying, hey, you should reach out to Hannah. She does financial planning. Um, that person is way more likely to actually come actually sit down with me and have a conversation because it had the deep connection from a good friend instead of just, I get five names. Who do you know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's truly a deep connection of their people. Yeah, I love just the advocacy mentality. These conversations are everyone needs to have them and they won't do it if it's not for someone that they know and trust recommending they meet with us. But it takes us being a catalyst because they won't contact us on their own initiative. And so so it's it's been a process for me of just that belief and that core. I'll tell you what, a couple of years ago, it, I remember that shift of in my mind being like, oh, this this really is like for their best interest. Like it's not about me. Right. And so if I can take myself yep. out of the equation, like I'm OK if if you give me a referral or not. But what about your sister? What about your friend? She's not going to have these conversations if you don't introduce it. Doesn't have to be me, right? But who's who's she going to talk to if there's not someone there advocating on her behalf? Yeah, and that's that caring part, right? That lies within us women, the nurturers, mm -hmm. right? We want to take care of everybody, and I feel like women lead with that, um, and they should lead with that, right? It, it's it's who we are. Um, another nuance that I have noticed, and Kristen, it takes me back to your comment about not needing to be perfect, right, is um, oftentimes like in preparing, like in the preparation phase or in the closing phase is this need to feel like you need to have all the information, you need to have plan perfect. I will oftentimes see women put so much time into reviewing the plan and redoing the plan and changing this and changing that. And so it, that's where I see that perfectionism coming out, right? And then oftentimes in the close, I see them maybe leaning more towards the education side of things versus um, moving people to action, right? Like their their clothes may take a little bit longer because they feel the need to maybe um, educate more or to have things be perfect or to make sure that they have 100% buy-in before they move forward. Thoughts on that? Do you experience that or does that resonate? It does, Hannah. I don't know if it's a combination of of being a woman and educating or in this Zoom world that we live in. You know, it's funny. I, I used to drive. I, I moved from St. Louis to Kansas City in 2012 and would drive back to St. Louis at three and a half hours across I-70 every other week to meet and stack up my days to meet with clients and drive back. And now it's like, I don't even get in the car to meet with people here in Kansas City, <laughs> much less drive to other cities. But Oh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Oh, so to schedule multiple closes, you know, it's like continuing the conversation, right? And like I tell people, I don't want you to do anything that you don't feel 100% comfortable with. But here's the next logical step is to, you know, apply with this or whatnot. So, but it's easy to, you know, if, if they don't make a decision in the first close, let's schedule a follow-up call. I'm sure, you know, after I send all this to you, you're going to have questions, you know, let's review that. And then, you know, just taking it one step at a time, right? Making it easy for them to say, yeah, that makes sense. I'm okay having another conversation. And I think as coaches, though, those are things, right, to be looking for when you're looking at ratios and your activity coaching is, okay, you know, are we seeing that the opens to closing ratio is a little high, right? Or is there an elongated sales process? Um, and really digging into what might be behind that. And not that it's right or wrong, but just being aware that it might be different. And these are some of the things that might be contributing to that. Um, Sabina, anything on your end along those lines? Um, no, no. Okay. I think you guys have covered everything All right. on that topic. So then let's uh, transition into talking about activity coaching specifically. I would love to hear from both of you. What did you like and dislike about activity coaching? And Hannah, it might be a little more fresh for you than Kristen for you, but um, would yes. love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I will admit I am the person that loves activity coaching. I think the only piece that I dislike is I have less activity coaching now. Quite frankly, I think especially being fresh in the business, um, 
especially when you're starting, I think it's really easy to forget how overwhelming the amount of information and things that we need to be thinking about on a daily basis for this business really is. And so truly by being able to take out the piece of having to remember, what are my granum ratios? How many people should I be setting today? How many people should I be dialing per week? And things like that to have an activity coach to hold me accountable to those. It takes one less thing that I can have that I have to keep stored in the brain. Um, so I really can focus on, you know, what's going to be my language in this fact finder and how do I make sure that I close, do this close effectively instead of thinking of, am I doing the best on my ratios for my numbers? I have somebody to hold me accountable to that. So I will say through and through, I love activity coaching. Oh my gosh, Sabine and I want to hug you right through, right through these microphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we exactly. love people that love activity coaching. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Kristen, how about you? How was your experience? So Kristen, I know it's, Go ahead, Sabina. Sabina? Oh, I was just going to say, I know it's been a while, but what was most impactful from, if you can think back that far, what was most impactful for you then? So I am such a relational person. I'm an extrovert. I love people. And I'm also a people pleaser. I want the applause. Applaud. I want people to say, great job. Keep it up. So Part of it was helpful to have that external motivation that I'm going to be at, in Tammy's office at 7.50 tomorrow morning. I want to make sure that she's happy and saying great job to me. <laughs> now, there comes a point where, and, and in this the inner work that I have done over the last couple of years even, um, you know, <laughs> Philip Sarnicky, my managing partner, used to say the best part about leadership is who you have to become to do it well. And I think it's true, not just with a contract, but leading our clients, leading my children, you know, like the best part about this business is who I've had to become to do it well. And I'm learning that, yeah, that confidence, like so much of my life, if someone else says, yeah, we trust you, you tell us, you know, and and we're going to go with it. Then I'm like, all right, let's go. I got this, you know, versus if they're like, prove it, you know, and come in kind of with a not fully in on board, you know, that's where I feel intimidating. And it's like, wait a second. No, like I do have this. So, but I think it it was so helpful early on just to do the activity and get back in the ring, even after you get your teeth knocked in. And if you don't quit, you win. I love it. Well put. Yes. Very well put. Um, So in your experiences, any strategies or approaches that you thought were very helpful to you from a coaching standpoint? Hannah, why don't you go first? Yeah, I will actually go back to, I think I briefly touched on it before of sometimes, you know, you have football coach mentality and they say, toughen up and you can do it. And they just like want you to ram through a brick wall where sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, you got, you better do this. Otherwise you get some sort of consequence. Truly. I resonate better with having the positive reward. I think you mentioned it, Heather. It's kind of like the dangling the carrot in the front instead of the stick in the behind. Mm -hmm. Do you want a positive reward or a negative consequence? Um, Through and through, whether it's just me personally or women in general, I think the positivity of having something to work towards has just been way more effective than, oh no, if I don't do this, then I'm just thinking of this doom and gloom hanging over me of I can't see my family over the weekend because that's what I bartered if I didn't get my (laughs) dials in or something. Um, And so having a positive reward has just been way, way more impactful for when it comes to a coaching strategy. Yeah. I have found that in coaching women, by the time they are sitting in front of you as an activity coach, right? Just in the matter of a day or two, they have already analyzed double analyzed and triple analyze their numbers. <laughs> and they know very well where they stand and where their opportunities are before they yes. even sit down with you. So to, you know, sit there and hash it all over again, especially when it hasn't been positive, isn't the most productive use of time rather than let's, you know, dust you off and get you back out there and come up with some strategies that are forward facing, that have us looking forward to what today is going to look like and tomorrow versus let's rehash how horrible the last couple of days were. Cause we know as a woman, you've already done that plenty of times. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, this is not, not your traditional, you know, NM activity coaching advice, but it's something that has been so profound for me. Um, a gal I started working with, you guys may know her name, Rebecca Korn. She was an, an NM advisor for eight years or so, and now she's she's coaching, you know, high level business executives and women in the, in the business. Um, but what she was saying is, 
the like because I am like an achiever. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to, you know, forget the feeling like let's just pound it out, you know, but that hasn't always been the what best for me and so the question that she has helped me to ask myself when I'm feeling that angst or anxiety or frustration or whatever it is like what does my heart need right now what am I feeling right and often you know we can't control what we can't control go figure right we can we can control the input but I can't I can't control this, you know, whether someone gets declined or someone cancels or changes their mind or whatnot, but how can I be okay even when things aren't going as I would want or hope them to? And so maybe it's, you know, what does my heart need right now? I just need to clear the rest of my afternoon and go get a pedicure, or (laughs) I just need to have an hour tonight to go, you know, have some quiet space and listen to some music and journal. You know, so being intentional to nurture not only our business, but ourselves and, and our soul. I love that. Um, I think that's such a great Mm -hmm. question to even start a coaching session with, which is what do you need today? Um, because like Hannah said, sometimes you need a good roughing up, right? You you need a good kick in the pants. And sometimes you've already given yourself that kick in the pants and you need support. You need somebody to encourage you. And, you know, and we have a lot of amazing coaches out there, but they're not necessarily, they don't have a crystal ball, right? They can't look inside you and see all the emotions and where you're at. So what an excellent question to ask. What, what do you need today? What do you need from me as a coach? I love that. Oh, were you going to ask a question, Sabina? Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. a question because in the preparation for this, in two completely separate conversations with Hannah and Kristen, both of you talked about having people who believed in you early on and how impactful and important that was. So I was going to ask each of you to to touch on that while here while we're alive, because I think that's so important for coaches to hear. Hannah, why don't you start? Yeah, I honestly feel like I actually went through a really rough patch just not even two months ago. And it was just one of those things where I had so much self-doubt in my own head about my abilities. Probably none of it was true, but naturally, of course, I was spiraling, (laughs) giving myself all of this negative self-talk. And I was doubting whether or not I could even do the business, um, which is a huge question because I'll be honest, I am committed to this through and through. And it really was having my coaches just complete, utter confidence. It wasn't like Oh, Hannah, like we, we think you can do this. It was, no, I know that you can. And I know that you're going to, it was just the utter confidence that my coaches had in me that almost like knocked me into my senses where I'm like, yeah, what the heck am I telling myself? This is an awful story. None of this is true. (laughs) And it was almost able, it like allowed me to actually snap myself back into reality and be like, you're right. I can do this. And I got my big girl pants back on and I went out and conquered the day. And I, um, I granted, actually, I really turned my numbers around the last few months. Um, but yes, I think it truly started with having the coaches, just the utter complete confidence in my abilities. And it it was just huge for me. Same. Absolutely. I, I wanted to quit a lot. And, um, I remember sometimes I would go into my field director, Doug Barry's office, who's the newest appointed managing partner and, um, him just have that box of tissues ready for me whenever I needed it. And I think, you know, Brene Brown talks about empathy and when we have a hard situation, sometimes it's okay to be like, wow, that's really hard. That sucks you know, just to sit in it and not try to just gloss over it and be like, it's okay and whatever. Right. So there's a time and a place for, again, going back to what do you need right now? Like, do you want me to, you know, just be with you and, or do you want to try to find a solution for this? Yeah, that is one of our um, coaching strategies at the end. We're going to share some coaching strategies. And I actually Sabine and I just had a a coaching clinic yesterday and we talked about this. You have to drown your Mm -hmm. reps in belief right? Like just drown them in belief, let them know how much you believe in them, be dripping with it. Um, You have to believe in them, you know, more so than they ever do for all those times, like you said, Kristen, that they want to quit, right? Yeah. I once heard too, if you don't feel like quitting at least once a week early on, then you're not trying hard enough. (laughs) True. (laughs) So true. 
Okay, I want to ask, and this can be kind of a touchy subject, and I realize that um, kind of like makes me a little itchy, to be honest, but I want to talk about it. So do you think as a woman, the numbers and the ratios are different and why or why not? I would say so. I know today my closing ratio, like my QSs to closing or lives ratio is very strong. Um, and in a sense, someone said, oh, that's almost too good. Like you're, you're in your comfort zone. Like you need to be out there a little <laughs> bit more like stretching to grow. But yeah, once people are in, especially if you have, like Hannah mentioned, if you get that recommendation, they're like, okay, I trust you. You know, what, what do I need to do? I would almost say exactly the same. And I think even going back to what we talked about earlier, sometimes the process does take a bit longer where we want to make sure that people are 100% bought in. But the effectiveness of that on the positive side is that that continues to grow the relationship that much deeper, which would help the relationship for the long term of those long term clients. And I think women are bringing in these ratios of bringing in new clients. And it's not necessarily just transactional. It's truly building the relationships with the clients in it of if you bring in a client, again, I'm not sure if this is actually true or not. I feel like the likelihood of keeping them long-term is just that much stronger with the relationships you build with women. Yeah. And the reason I asked the question, I'm not saying that, you know, women can get away with doing less activity or different activity. But in my experience, I have seen in coaching many men and many women that oftentimes their efficiency ratios are better. And I do think that is a result of the way they connect with their clients, the deep level at which they connect. I just think they pull people through the process. They're so thorough. Um, Their level of detail, right? Like nobody falls through, I shouldn't say nobody, many fewer people fall through the cracks, right? Just because I think women have a greater attention to detail and that connectedness. Um, and that doesn't mean that, oh, because you're more efficient, you have to do less activity. I just think the ratios are going to look a little bit different. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Uh, Granham, you know, he always says you have to know the truth of your situation. And that's why we track, right? That's why we keep track of our numbers because everybody's numbers are going to be a little bit different. And so, again, just, uh, you know, a plug for everybody that's listening, the importance of posting your numbers and keeping track of that because, you know, it, it will tell you the truth of, of your situation. Sabina, you look like you were going to hop in and say something. And I, I was going to say something about um, Kristen's numbers specifically, because I have her first year numbers and she did the activity. So, and she was good at it and her closing ratio, even in that first year when it's usually around, you know, 33, 35%, she was at 50% from the, from the jump. So are you talking Kristen or that, Hannah? But she had high activity too. So Kristen. Okay. All right. So awesome. yeah, I'm saying when Kristen was in her first year, her closing ratio was already 50%. So, you know, and that's like, hundred percent client building, right? Like that's, that's all new people. And that's, um, I think that's a lot of things, but I think it, when you have talent for it, I always tell people, why would you keep your talent to yourself? You know, because it's a natural thing sometimes when you're good at something to, to get by with less of it. And I think women are less inclined to do that. They're inclined to more, to put their talent out there a little bit more. And I so, think it's so cool. The reason I, I to questioned if it was Kristen wise. or Hannah is the fact that like Kristen's been in the business mm-hmm. for so many years, the fact that you have access right to those numbers. Again, it, I don't know. I'm such mm-hmm. as I just love, I love the numbers. I love the access to them. If people don't use the yeah. posting plus app, I went for a time where I didn't, I think the transition from TNC to CRM, it was like, ah, I was in this groove and then now it's this new system. But then I realized, <laughs> oh, I can do everything right here on my phone. I don't know if that's normal for everyone coming in, but if you, if you're a veteran or, you know, if people don't use the posting plus app, it is so easy and so important. You can't manage what you don't measure. Mm-hmm. Love it. Exactly. What gets measured gets done. That's what I always say. Yep, exactly. All right. Um, One last question for you, ladies. I was going to ask a couple questions around confidence, but I feel like you have both touched on it throughout. So instead, I'm going to ask this. For Mm -hmm. all of our activity coaches that are listening, what is your best piece of advice for coaches that are working with women? Hannah, why don't you go first? I really just want to go back to what we already had touched on previously, but I think it really is just asking what we need, but not only asking what we need, but just be prepared that that may fluctuate even day to day. It may even fluctuate morning to afternoon. Um, Sometimes exactly (laughs) like you said, Heather, we do need just a kick in the butt to go 
get our dials done for the morning. Um, but other times maybe we had a huge reversal and it's just exactly like you said, we just need to take the time and just be like, yes, that one kind of hurt. How do we get back up to it? Maybe tomorrow, not the next minute. Um, and so being prepared that what we need can change frequently. But I think another huge piece of that is sometimes, I think we touched on this too, but sometimes we really do come with a problem that needs to be solved. And other times we just want to talk things out. We don't actually need a solution. We just need to air it out. Um, I think that goes back to the difference between internal processors versus external processors. I'm not sure if we talked about this too, but internal processors are, you know, when something crazy happens, you maybe had a, a huge reversal or something, internal processors will just want to like sit and be and let it all soak in in their brain. External processors, I'm an external processor. I need to go tell everybody about this awful reversal that I just had. And I just need to talk it out a million times over. I don't need a solution to the problem. I just need to talk it out a hundred times. And a lot of times just having that initial person as the activity coach that's there just to hear the ups and the downs, the stories is just so, so, so helpful. And also being able to identify, you know, is this a problem that needs to be solved? Or is this just something that just needs to be talked out and then we can move on with the rest of our days? Such good advice. Awesome. Kristen? I've alluded to this a little bit, but really peeling back the layers and, you know, beliefs drive behavior. And so if, if we're not getting the external behavior that we're looking for, what is the belief behind it? And, you know, really getting an understanding of, are like my own story, right? What do I tell myself? Um, what are my values, my desires, and and getting alignment with all that? So I think it's not just at the surface level. Like we are so incredibly such complex human beings, yeah. and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> it can be challenging, right? Yeah. It's the same goes with with the people that we work with, and so. So just understanding, like sometimes, you know, it just takes work to peel back the layers and to understand and, but just to get to know ourselves, like self-awareness, that is huge, right? And, and, um, and then at the same time, I've been reading a book recently called Relentless Solution Focus. And so it's like natural to focus on problems, but when we shift to solution focus, we feel that in our bodies. Like it goes, you get that dopamine just by like asking what's one thing that I could do to make this situation better. It doesn't have to be the perfect solution. It doesn't have to solve it all. Um, but what's asking what's one thing that you can do to make this situation better. Such good advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I do have one more question because Kristen, you and I talked about this, and I think this is a really important message for women in particular. Um, talk a little bit about how you leverage joint work through your career. I know you had your youngest daughter in March and took some time off, and you're still going to have an incredible year. Um, and you had talked a lot about the power of joint work um, mm-hmm. throughout your career. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So I early on, I relied heavily on joint work. Um, I think it was 80% of my meetings were joint work in the first six months. And in the first 12 months, it maybe averaged 50%. So I remember like February, March, which was the six or seven month mark, bringing a prospect to Doug, my field director for joint work after I'd done the fact finder and him being like, nope, you got it. I'm going to kick you out of the desk. I'm not going to do joint work with you. You can do that on your own. And so that was part of the shift of this, that confidence. Part of how I wrote 80 lives in my second six months was doing more on my own, but I had a phenomenal foundation of you know, 80% of a lot of meetings. I always had a ton of activity in the first six months. So that created a really just a wealth of knowledge. And I remember one of, you know, one of the guys saying like, oh, that was like a joint work highlight meeting where he basically remembers like saying different things from all these other joint work partners. So today what joint work looks like for me is I am going to build my practice to be able to run like today we focus a lot on pre-retirees and executives and business owners and so with the pre-retirees like there's a lot of opportunity for 
getting AUM, investment management, and that there's also a lot of responsibility there. And I do believe that I have the capacity and and desire to serve people well, and we can do it on our own. So we're going to build the team to be able to, to serve them well, but also in this phase of having three young children, I don't necessarily want that responsibility and especially the emotional aspect of it like it's people's money like they they can have high expectations and concerns and so (laughs) up to this point as far as anyone that goes over a certain threshold with investments i'll bring in joint work not that i'm not capable of it but it's just what I, i have to be intentional to ask what builds my energy and what drains my energy and constantly be moving towards what builds it and a way or to delegate what drains it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Great. Thank you. That was like, oh, I even saw Hannah nodding Mm -hmm. her head too, right? That whole like being drawn to, you know, give away the stuff if you can, right? That doesn't give you energy. How cool is that? That we can be paid for it still and not do the work. I know. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Not many opportunities where you can do that. That's awesome. Okay, ladies, we are now going to transition into our Say That Again. So in our Say That Again segment, we typically use this time um, for Sabina and I to do a role play um, where we would demonstrate some of, um, you know, the skills that we've talked about. But um, for today's Say That Again, I want to just revisit or we haven't shared all of these, but I want to share some really good, succinct best practices that coaches can take away from this conversation. Again, some of these are going to be new, but some of them I know you have touched on already. Um, The first one is listen to hear, not to solve. And Hannah, you nailed this one right at the end of our conversation. I love that, right? Like most women can solve their own issues, right? Um, They often just need to talk it out. So um, I love to ask, um, is this a solutioning conversation or a sounding board conversation? As simple as that, right? Like as soon as they start. Do you need a solution or a sounding board? Number two, um, be proactive in reaching out as a coach. In my experience, women have this sense of not wanting to bother people. They don't want to be a burden, right? So when they have a question or they have a concern or they're feeling down, I'll handle it myself, right? I don't have to go bother somebody or I'm, you know, I know they're busy. They have their own practice. As a coach, know this, right? And be proactive. Go out, ask how they're doing. Stop in, poke your head in. Um, And along those lines, don't take a woman's first response for face value, right? So when you say, how are you doing? They're going to be like, I'm fine. Don't go. Okay, great. So let's look at your nut, right? Like if you're sensing something, dig a little bit deeper because I guarantee you there's probably something underneath that first surface face value answer. So Another thing to do, and this is along the lines of confidence, is listen for qualifying phrases in the reps that you're coaching. So when you hear your women reps, and maybe even your male reps for that part, but when you hear them starting sentences with, I'm so bad at this, but blah, 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 right? And and then they demonstrate their language. Or they say, well, I really don't have any idea what I'm doing, but this is what I do. And then they tell you. Or it might sound like, "Um, well, this might not be the right approach, but X, Y, and Z. Um, Or sometimes at the end of a sentence, you might hear them say, you know, after they've explained something in the close, does this make sense? You know, as if like what they just said made no sense at all. Those are qualifying phrases and it signals a lack of confidence. So when you hear your women advisors saying things like that, point it out to them, let them know, right? Like that's, you're basically just disregarding everything you said. So, you know, recognize it and point it out to them. We talked about this one already, but typically women have overanalyzed their numbers a hundred times before they've come in your door. Doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't help to dig deeper. It definitely does. But asking that question, what do you need today, um, is helpful. This is something that I absolutely love as well, is have them focus on what they know to be true about themselves versus that little voice that's in the back of their head, that negative self-talk. And I'm going to give you an example. This literally happened today, and I'm going to get emotional just sharing it. Like she, her tears made me cry today. It was literally my first phone call with a rep. She's in her eighth week and she was having a hard time dialing the phone. And I asked her, you know, I said, well, what are the, what are the things that you're saying in your mind before you pick up the phone? And she came up with a thousand different things, right? Like they're not going to want to talk to me. I haven't talked to them in five years. They're going to want to know what the heck I'm, they know why I'm calling. It's just embarrassing. You know, she had a hundred reasons. And then when I asked her, I said, well, what do you know to be true about you? Tell me about your personality traits. What are all the great things about yourself? She had such a hard time doing it. 
And I made her do it. I said, you have to give me some things. Like I know, like, first of all, this is a hard business. So I know you're strong, right? Like I know you're, you're brave. And so we went through these things. And by the time we got to the third or fourth one, she was in tears. It was so hard for her to see all of those great things and to say them out loud. And I said, you know, next time you pick up the phone, lead with the value you provide. Lead with all of those great things you know about yourself. Don't lead with all of the negative self-talk in the back of your mind. So, you know, pause and really take time to ask the women to share with you all of the wonderful things that they bring to the table because I know they sure as heck aren't doing that on their own. And it's so easy to forget. We talked about this one, but focus on progress, not perfection. Women are going to self-sabotage themselves, and they will walk away from something if they don't feel perfect at it. So if they've had a couple weeks without Granum, they're going to start saying, well, maybe this isn't the right career for me, (laughs) right? And Kristen mentioned she wanted to quit 100 times, right? It's okay to not be perfect, and we have to help women understand that and that they can still succeed without being perfect. Along those lines, um, and, you know, we talk about this, you know, in, in our coaching and consulting work, but have a pivot plan. Help your women create a plan that is in place so that when, you know, everything goes to hell in a handbasket, right? I mean, I call it a pivot plan. It might be a, oh, crap, now what plan or, a, you know, whatever it's called, but have them have a plan in place so that when things do go awry, they don't just throw up their hands and walk away, but they have some strategies and some things to go to that will help keep them on track. And then last but not least, and I save this one for last, it's the Ted Lasso favorite. We talked about it, but drowned them in belief. So with that, um, I'm going to pause. This has been one of our longer um, episodes, and I'm so happy that it was. You two have brought so much to this conversation. We are grateful for you. Just super impressed with the superstars that you are. So Sabina, anything you want to add as we wrap up? Nope. I think you have covered it. I would just again say thank you both to you uh, for taking the time to join us today. This is, I think so many women are going to benefit from the insights that you've shared today. And we are truly grateful for that. Absolutely. Great to be with you all. It's been an honor. And I um, wanted to share something because it's just something that I hold near and dear to my heart, but I have no idea who said it. So kudos to whoever created this phrase. But I think the value that women have of truly how strong we are, we almost forget it. And I, it's just the phrase and I, and I love it so much, but it says, there is no force more powerful than a woman who is determined to rise. There is no force more powerful than a woman Mm -hmm. determined to rise. And I just love it. I have it as my backdrop. I think it's just so, so true that women, when they put their mind to something, they are going to get it done. Um, And I love that. Amen. What a perfect spot to end. Thank you, everybody. We look forward to having you join us next time. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.